Throughout this season, we've shattered barriers, navigated dilemmas, and explored the nuances of neurodiversity. Today, our focus sharpens on the often elusive concept of reasonable accommodation. In this episode, we question why, despite legal safeguards, the act of disclosure remains a high-risk action and how subjective interpretations significantly impact the pursuit of workplace inclusion. Hi, I'm Dr. Teresa Haskins, and welcome to Think Differently, the podcast that challenges the status quo and explores the power of neurodiversity to create a more inclusive and accessible world. Together, we will talk about everything from the value of different perspectives to the limitless potential of human beings. We'll explore how embracing differences can lead to endless possibilities and how you can maximize strengths to make a positive impact on the world. So sit back, relax, and join me as we get ready to think differently. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the final episode of this season of Think Differently. As we wrap up 2023 and take a break until mid-January, I wanted to discuss a topic that lies at the heart of our exploration this season, the concept of reasonable accommodations. This season, we've questioned the very essence of disability, shattered barriers to neurodiversity, navigated the intricate dilemma of disclosure, explored how choice can reignite motivation, and even discussed breaking free from the success trap, all with neurodiversity in mind. Today, we confront the idea of what is considered a reasonable accommodation and the inherent subjectivity that lies within the description outlined by the Americans with Disability Act and the obstacles that it can create to achieving disability inclusion and neurodiversity in our organizations. So what's a reasonable accommodation anyway? It's a question that echoes in the corridors of workplaces, a question that underscores the delicate dance between disclosure and privacy, and a question that reveals the persistent bias that people with hidden disabilities face. We know that accommodations are vital for disabled employees to have the resources they need to access and sustain employment. It's a pretty simple equation. Provide needed support and disabled workers can perform. But there's another layer to this topic that is the catalyst to access that is also part of the problem. And that is the variance in the definition of reasonable accommodation. The American with Disabilities Act, better known as ADA, with its noble intention of preventing disability discrimination, outlines the need for reasonable accommodations. But in reality, this concept is far from straightforward. The term reasonable can be quite subjective, and what's considered reasonable in one company may not be in another. This subjectivity creates a significant challenge when it comes to advocating for and providing solutions to different segments of the disabled population. And to compound the issue more, disclosing a disability, especially when it's a hidden disability, is often met with trepidation. This is because telling a potential employer about a disability comes with risk. Yes, we have the ADA that is designed to protect disabled employees from discrimination 
and requires employers to provide reasonable accommodations. But the crux of the issue is the employer decides what is reasonable. So picture this scenario. A disabled employee requests an executive assistant to help manage their calendar and organize their day-to-day tasks more efficiently. In one company, this request was considered absolutely reasonable and granted, leading to increased productivity and job satisfaction for both the employee and the employer. However, when the employee goes to another company, the same request is now deemed unreasonable and the employee is left struggling to keep up with their responsibilities. This is where the trouble lies. The definition of what is reasonable can be fluid and influenced by various factors, including the company's size, financial resources, industry, and even its corporate culture. So while the ADA and similar laws provide a framework for reasonable accommodations, their interpretation can significantly differ. It's this type of scenario that can also put those with hidden disabilities in a precarious position. To disclose or not to disclose. Because let's face it, while discrimination based on disability is illegal, it's all too easy for employers to find other reasons to exclude you. The sad truth is disability bias is alive and well. This allowing employers to determine what's reasonable was to ensure that there were no negative impacts to the business if they hired a disabled person, which has ableistic undertones, but was primarily due to ensure that the actual cost to implement physical or technological accommodations were feasible. Larger companies could afford to provide more resources and therefore had more disabled employees because they could scale those benefits and make such an investment. And for a smaller company, an investment for one may not have been feasible. But thanks to universal design and architecture and accessibility standards and technology, the reasons for variation in reasonable accommodations are less about financial costs and are now being determined by other factors that are more about a willingness to provide support and constructs that deviate from the cultural norm and how we do business at the company. It's more about perception of fit and belief in abilities and the worries that providing more to some could result in unfair treatment towards the rest of the team. Now, this isn't necessarily a problem with the legislation because it's designed to provide protection and encourage accommodation, but rather in its application. And because the law is open to interpretation, it underscores the importance of organizations being proactive and mindful in how they're adopting inclusive practices that go beyond legal compliance. But what can be done to address these challenges? Well, from previous conversations, we know that it's essential for organizations to foster a culture of understanding, empathy, and flexibility. We know that they should actively engage with their employees, not just those who require accommodations, but to better comprehend their unique needs and skills. This all goes back to how accommodating and accessible are you to your average employee? If you are unwilling to provide resources to help those you don't deem as potentially impaired, 
are you going to be willing to provide supports to others that need it? And there are some that are just standards. We're so used to nowadays, lifts and ramps for mobility impairments, technological access. But when it comes to flexible work arrangements, American Sign Language interpreters, different approaches to work, supporting executive functioning or sensory processing issues, people become more rigid in their willingness to provide accommodation. And this highlights the risk that disabled employees are asked to take that isn't fully appreciated by the majority of hiring entities. Disabled workers are encouraged to self-identify and more so to self-advocate. But what happens if said employee when they request an accommodation and they're denied? The employer may be well within their legal right, but what of the outcome? Does that mean the candidate is not hired? Does that mean the employee can't perform as well as if they would had they had an accommodation, fulfilling the prophecy that they won't work out here on this team? So if an employee discloses a need, do you work with them to find a solution or is a door shut? And if the door is shut, what is the view about protecting a disabled employee's right to work if it's only at an employer's discretion? that hardly feels like the intent of the law. So now let's get real. Because complexities surrounding reasonable accommodations demand more than just workplace jargon. We've dissected the complexities of reasonable accommodations, and it's clear. Change isn't a lofty ideal. It's a necessity for disabled workers to obtain employment. If you Google how to create a more disability-inclusive workspace, You'll read about the need to raise awareness of the problem, eradicate unconscious bias, overcome stereotypes, increase collaboration and psychological safety, self-advocate for accommodations, and invest in more education throughout the organizations. The truth is we know what to do, but we're not doing it. And that's because creating a workplace that walks the talk isn't about feel-good events and publicized DEI initiatives. It's about making substantial, tangible changes. In this journey towards inclusivity, let's face it, dialogue alone won't cut it. Discussing issues and raising awareness is important, but it's not enough. We need to focus on delivering real, measurable outcomes. A workplace that values transparency isn't just about open conversations. It's about ensuring those conversations are respected, employees are not retaliated against, and that it leads to actual change. Stereotypes don't vanish with wishful thinking. It's time to kick those stereotypes to the curb and recognize that abilities come in a myriad of forms. Accommodations aren't charity. They're about recognizing the unique strengths and providing the resources a person needs to succeed in the workplace. Collaboration isn't a feel-good buzzword. It's a strategic move. It's about getting down to business, finding solutions that genuinely work, and working in healthy ways together. And yes, collectively acknowledging that the right accommodations benefit everyone involved, both the employer and the team and the employee. A well-supported employee performs isn't that what we all want? And then we need to ditch the corporate doublespeak. 
Denying accommodations isn't just a bureaucratic decision. It's a potential roadblock in someone's career. It impacts their life. So it's time to ask the tough questions. If an employee outlines their needs, are we helping them find a solution or are we slamming doors in their faces? And what does it say about our commitment to the rights of disabled employees if we are continuously negotiating down or denying accommodation requests? A common solution implemented is education. People need more education. But education, though, isn't just about feel-good training sessions and awareness. It's about busting myths and dismantling the barriers of ignorance. It's time for a reality check. If you're not willing to provide resources for your current employees, then you're not ready to help disabled employees either because you're not fostering inclusivity. You're perpetuating exclusion. And policies, they're not just bureaucratic red tape. They're actually the backbone of your organizational culture. It's time to scrutinize those policies. Are they relics of a bygone era or are they evolving with the times? So what can we do? As you can tell, I think it's time to be ruthlessly real, demand action, and refuse to settle for surface-level changes. And if you're a leader, it's time for you to take accountability and take action. Be the leader your people need. You know what? Better yet, be the leader you think you are. As we gear up for 2024, let's not just dream and talk about change. Let's roll up our sleeves and actually make it happen. So as I make this call to action, the first step is to reflect on where you are on your journey to disability inclusion. If you didn't focus on access, accommodations, or neurodiversity in 2023, is it on your radar for 2024? And if not, there's still plenty of time to make disability inclusion a priority for your business next year. Decisive intentions beget change. As we come to the end of our time together this year, and we take this hiatus between sessions, I want you to recall what we've explored this year, the unique perspectives and experiences that impact neurodiversity and disability inclusion in our world. If you missed a prior podcast, now's the time to tune in and catch up because our journey together doesn't end here. In 2024, we'll venture beyond typical conversations and dive into the hard stuff, ableism, superficial diversity, and the ongoing struggles in moving the neurodiversity and disability inclusion space forward in organizations of all sizes. Next year, we'll also bring you new voices, fresh experiences, triumphs, and wisdom, because there's a lot of good happening in the world too. I am excited for our first session on January 11th, because despite the challenges we face, 2024's focus is not on adversity. It'll be a year of community, promise, and conversation. So as we take these next two months to decompress from another tumultuous year, let's meet again renewed and ready to tackle the real work. We can begin to make the hard changes that will transform our neurodiversity dreams to life. Thank you for listening to this episode of Think Differently. I hope you found our discussion today insightful and thought-provoking. I want to thank AudioWorks Studios for their exceptional production and recording support. Without their expertise and dedication, this podcast would not be possible. If you enjoyed this episode, 
we encourage you to share it with others. Your support helps us to reach new audiences and promote neurodiversity in our world. Also, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite platform so that you can stay up to date on the latest episodes. We look forward to seeing you again soon on Think Differently.